This week on the Iowa Watch Connection. Candidates, their, their goal is going to be to get elected again. Political campaigns have become never-ending cycles, especially here in Iowa. Non-facts, uh, as opposed to alternative facts, uh, certainly can come from any voice. Efforts to help voters be informed are increasing. They get the same test with all the same 16 questions. Every question is written on something that's usually always going to be a hot topic in America. The never-ending campaign, our topic this week. The Iowa Watch Connection is presented by the Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism. Online at iowawatch.org. Here is Jeff Stein. It used to be that there was a decent interval between the end of one election cycle and the beginning of another. That interval has narrowed over time. Now there's full overlap. The 2020 presidential campaign has been underway for some time, with some candidates declaring their intentions closer in time to the last election than the next one. It was a topic that got the attention of Iowa Watch Executive Director and Editor Lyle Muller, and that took him to Des Moines recently for this report. I started out as an intern um, in June of 2017. Thomas Stone, a 2017 Iowa State University graduate from Des Moines, is explaining the work he does in putting into a database information about bills being considered at state legislatures in all 50 U.S. states. I mean, it's like your hands-on work. You're actually dealing with the laws and the <laughs> bill text and what it's actually doing and how it's um, affecting people's lives. He's working at a desk at Vote Smart, a nonprofit, nonpartisan organization that tracks political and government activity across the country. Vote Smart's audience is you and me the public. And I've already entered this vote into our site. So I can just show you kind of the process. So then we'll go and we'll just go into New Jersey here and we'll find that same bill that we took, 4674. The 2018 elections are behind us, yet it doesn't seem like campaigning ever ended. It's just been redefined. State legislatures arguing over policy they feel elected to push, for example, but also issues groups want to keep alive. The topics are familiar, gun control, abortion, taxes and government spending, the border wall, and voting rights. Peter McLaughlin, director of elections research at Vote Smart, says elected officials have a reason for keeping issues alive for debate. Candidates, their, their goal is going to be to get elected again. So it, as soon as they start their job as officials, um, everything they do is, is obviously going to be done with the idea of, of potentially being elected again in the future. One way using our data that I think really tracks that is interest groups. So in election time, we see interest groups endorsing candidates that they want to be voted into office. And that effort doesn't really change as you move from elections into a normal legislative session. Instead of endorsing candidates for an election, interest groups will give their support or uh, go against candidates by giving them ratings. And we'll take both of them, and we see those really link up. So interest groups want to affect legislation and affect candidates in elections. So during a legislative time, they'll use ratings. During an election season, they'll use endorsements. But it's really one and the same way to go about 
um, sort of judging these candidates on their record and showing either support or a lack of support for candidates. VoteSmart's headquarters are in Des Moines, just off the Drake University campus. The organization got its start in Arizona and Oregon, but moved to Iowa in part to be closer to where presidential elections start with precinct caucuses. Working off University Avenue in Des Moines, paid staff and interns research political issues and put information about them, such as what proposed bills say and how elected officials vote on those bills, online for free. Its founders include Presidents Jimmy Carter and Gerald Ford, and former Senators Barry Goldwater, a staunch conservative, and George McGovern, a liberal all of his life. Original board members include John McCain and former Iowa Congressman Jim Leach. David Bobayev, a vote-smart political research associate and a Des Moines native, researches issues for the Vote Smart website. So guns tends to be a kind of a thing that never really leaves our website as far as what gets uh, the most attraction. Um, the NRA is a big, um, big hit on our website, so a lot of people go there um, to see what information we have on there, what their take is on, on candidates um, or officials. Um, yeah, again, probably abortion reproductive issues are, are fairly popular. Um, Not much changes. No, no, it's it's pretty it's pretty consistent. The NRA seems to be a, a highly visited page on our website consistently throughout. Besides its own independent research about elected officials and political topics, VoteSmart has relied on surveys of elected officials for much of its information. Emily Harris, a Grandview University graduate from Des Moines, is an elections research associate at VoteSmart. She tells how the test works. On their level, they get the same test with all the same 16 questions. Every question is written on something that's usually always going to be a hot topic in America. And then you have the couple that kind of cycle out as being the top. Um, while all of these are kind of really important, I would say that this year so far in my research, I found most people are talking about abortion, gun control, health care, and immigration. And you have Dan Crenshaw on the screen who has become yeah. better known outside of Texas yes. thanks to Saturday Night Live. When the episode with him aired on Saturday Night Live, did you see any kind of uptick in people trying to get information about him? Well, we actually, I was actually looking at him because I was tracking our election day totals, but there was, it seems that there was an, uh, an uptick here around the 14th, so slightly after the SNL show, or the SNL was um, shown. So yeah, we have had an uptick. But responses have tailed off in this era of message control and social media availability for the officials. A few years ago, 70% of elected officials would fill out surveys. Now the rate is 26%, Harris notes. The main issues that they focus on will always be on their candidate um, information page or within like their position section on their official campaign website. Um, but it's a lot easier for them to say how they're feeling on an issue when they can write a quick 280-character tweet. So it's a lot easier to find those kind of things when they can sit down any time of the day and write it down rather than having someone proof it and check it and it goes up on a website. Walker McCusick says the bottom line for the public when bombarded with information about issues, even when an election is not coming up, is having good information. McCusick is the national director at VoteSmart. False information, he says, is an equal opportunity problem. I think it can come from anywhere. Um, non-facts, uh, as opposed to alternative facts, uh, certainly can come from any voice 
Um, we've seen just in our own uh, uh, observance of the elections, both 2016 and 2018 cycles when I've been here with VoteSmart, that we get questions from users, from voters uh, who call in and ask about an ad they saw or about a Facebook post they've seen. And to be honest, we've gotten questions about candidates on both sides uh, or issues on both sides of the aisle um, that are putting out information that is incorrect. And we try our best to help correct that. We're not fact-checking every issue out there. We are not an organization that is trying to prove if climate change is real or not, or heck, if even aliens exist or not. That's not what we do. What we're trying to say is whether or not candidates actually have made certain votes, whether or not they have said certain things or taken certain stances in order to factually establish who these people are in the first place. That's our role. I'm Lyle Muller for the Iowa Watch Connection. When we come back, more with those involved with Vote Smart. That's next when the Iowa Watch Connection continues. Hello, I'm Lyle Muller, Executive Director and Editor of the Nonprofit Parent of this program, Iowa Watch. It's part of the Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism. We've been selected for a third year to be part of Newsmatch, a national campaign supported by several notable foundations that care about nonprofit journalism and who will match every dollar you donate right now to Iowa Watch so that quality journalism from Iowa Watch can continue. Please consider giving through this great opportunity by going to the Donate button at the top of iowawatch.org. That web address again is iowawatch.org. And thank you for supporting this kind of journalism. The Iowa Watch Connection radio program is part of a statewide audience engagement project organized by the Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism, an independent, nonprofit, nonpartisan news organization. The center is dedicated to producing high quality investigative and community affairs journalism in Iowa, while also training journalism students to do this work at a high ethical level. The center is found online at iowawatch.org. Welcome back. We continue now our discussion of the never-ending campaign cycle in Iowa and the rest of the country. Iowa Watch Executive Director and Editor Lyle Muller spoke in Des Moines with three VoteSmart officials. Annie Peterson, Director of Officials Research, overseeing key votes. Peter McLaughlin, Director of Elections Research. And National Director Walker McCusick. I think there's been a lot of interest lately in like voter law, like voter ID, or you know, like the topic of voter suppression has come up a lot. Um, so that's something that's really taken off this year for us. We've seen a lot of like state bills, especially about that. Um, it's also you know a lot of stuff about like the environment or abortion or healthcare. Healthcare especially is always a huge one. It would seem that this type of research might be the kind of thing that really gives people a good idea of what their candidates are when it comes to election time because right. this is what they're really doing in, instead of what they're saying, right? Yeah, exactly. I think that being able to look clearly at someone's voting record and see everything about that bill because once we've taken a bill, we also summarize the legislation based solely off of the bill text. We'll go through it and put it in nonpartisan terms so you can see how your representative voted on it and then you can see what the bill does and that can give you an idea of where they really stand, and I think that is 
the best way to see if they're actually following through on what they said they're going to do during their campaign. Yeah, Peter, how does this connect in with, with the research you do with elections? Right. So another program we do is issue position research, and that's really during the election season. So we research all of these congressional candidates to find out where they stand on these important issues facing the country. And one of the ways that relates to the work that Annie's doing in key votes is that people can go on and see what their candidates were promising during the campaigns, uh, what they said they were going to do when they're in office, and now they can relate that to how the candidates are actually acting while they're in office. So do their votes now line up with the promises they made during campaigns? And do they line up? <laughs> uh, I think everybody, Too broad a question. everybody <laughs> should, should go look at that for themselves, but I think they do mainly because the way we do this research on where candidates stand on the issues is we use their past voting record, and we use their past speeches, and we use their interest group ratings. So we try to really nail down where candidates stand on these issues, and then as long as they're consistent in those stances, they're probably going to vote along those same lines. It sounds like volumes of work. How much effort goes into putting together this information from both of your teams? It's a lot of work um, tracking all the different state legislatures and then summarizing those bills. And it really just depends, you know, like last summer, the um, American Health Care Act was voted on. And I actually summarized that legislation and it took me a week to summarize it because the bill was so complicated. But sometimes you'll get little bills that, you know, just take an afternoon to put together. But I mean, we work on it all year, even when legislatures are out of session, trying to make sure everything is cleaned up and ready to go. So we have advisors in every state and then some who focus specifically on our federal bills. And they review all of our work for accuracy and any potential partisanship. Obviously, bills themselves are inherently partisan because it's always written by one party or the other. So we're trying to take that out of it without, well, still staying true to what the legislation is actually proposing. So our advisors are really helpful in reviewing the summaries that we write and making sure that there, no partisanship has slipped in and that we're still accurate to the content of the bill. Uh, our advisors come from a lot of different backgrounds. It's mostly political scientists um, in academia or people from political journalism backgrounds. Um, like I said, they're all over the country. They kind of fall all over the political spectrum, so they really help to keep us balanced. What type of demand exists for this information? Do you have a way to gauge that? The demand for the information that VoteSmart puts out for free at votesmart.org can be measured a little bit by the number of users that come to our website. Um, we were proud this past election cycle to reach 11 million users over the course of the cycle, uh, which was a high for us. Um, this isn't a perfect measure. We can't put a face to every single computer that might be coming to our website, um, but it's, it's a little bit of a metric. It also shows us we have a long ways to go, that we want to reach a lot more people um, with our resources because there's uh, a vast chunk of America not in that number. Um, but that's really the best measure we have of the number of people demanding this information. What are people more apt to check when they want to check on how a candidate's doing? Is it the research of what they're doing and saying in the campaign, or is it the research of what they're doing as they're legislating? It's hard to say. I think it depends on the person. Um, you know, we were taking a lot of phone calls leading up to the election when people were trying to make that decision. And I would say the people that I talked to, they just wanted to know everything that we had. So I think really people are, it's not so much like they're looking for one specific data type, it's that they just want to know 
everything that there is to know. What always is number one is can biographical information about the candidates, in part because that shows up in many different places, right? It's what they, it's their picture, it's their contact information, it's their name, it's where they went to school, what job they had potentially. That seems to be the thing that is most demanded, which makes sense. It's who are you in, in the first place. Um, from there, the other programs that we offer and we've been talking about get a little bit more hard to, um, to parse out. Um, legislative info tends to be one of the top three most viewed categories. People do care what these representatives are actually doing uh, for or to us while they're in office. Um, people also care about special interest group ratings. I think a lot of that has to do with getting a third party perspective on these candidates. A lot of what Annie and Pete work with are straight from the horse's mouth. It's what they actually say they're going to do when they're in office. It's what they're saying as press releases. It's what uh, they actually do when they're voting. But the special interest group rating gets a little bit of a different take on them. So those tend to be some of the top three, but all of them, like Annie said, are asked about and used on our tools. Do you get inquiries from partisan groups who want to use the information for campaigns or is it just for the public to be the third party? It's a good question. One of the things that we're pretty clear about in our materials are that we don't allow our, any of the materials on our website to be used for partisan campaign activity. Um, so occasionally, every now and again, campaigns may try to use some data um, against one of their opponents, but we actually don't allow them to do that. We're pretty clear in, in how people can actually use our data. How do you do that? It's hard. Um, we have a press release system um, in the sense that we will stand very clearly behind our data um, and our message that candidates should not be using our data to attack one another. Our data should be used to inform voters. So we have, we'll release a press release if we need to that says our data is here and it's not for this purpose. Our data is to inf inform voters and it needs to stay at that level. So there was a congressional election in Ohio where one of the candidates in the race took our political courage test, which is our issue position questionnaire that we send to all candidates, asking them to really give their positions on the major issues. And one candidate took the political courage test and her opposing candidate actually distorted her answers on the test and released an attack ad using those answers. Um, so in that case, it fit the description of a candidate using our data to attack another candidate. And it was actually a distortion of the data itself. So we released a press release saying this candidate used our data in an inappropriate way and it did distort the message of our data. So when we find times where we need to stick up and make sure that our data is being used in the way it's intended to be used, we're more than willing to do that. How can people access this information? So there are a couple different ways you can a lot of people, if you're just curious about general voting records, you can go to your candidate's page on our website using that iSpy search bar, just search their name, and then click on their votes folder and it'll bring up their entire voting record. You can filter it by the issues you're interested in, but it'll bring everything up from most recent to oldest. Um, and so that's a really easy way to see if you just want to know how your representative has voted on something. Otherwise, if there's a specific bill that you're interested in, there is a legislation link at the bottom of our page and that'll bring up just, you can like filter by state and then again by issue and it'll bring up all the votes for that year for that state or for Congress if that's what you're interested in.
Another resource we offer that can help track all of that is called My Vote Smart. And that's a way that people can select the politicians or the representatives that they're interested in. And any time those politicians make a speech, vote on key legislation, or are rated by an interest group, you'll get an email with an update of what just happened with the candidate that you're interested in. So you can sign up and give an email and then select specific people that you want to keep up to date with and we kind of do the rest of the work for you there so you can just watch your email and have a good idea of what's going on. How many people are on your team, Peter? My team right now has about seven staff members and a lot of interns. Iowa Watch Executive Director and Editor Lyle Muller speaking with Annie Peterson, Director of Officials Research overseeing key votes, Peter McLaughlin, Director of Elections Research, and Walker McCusick, National Director, all with Vote Smart. The conversation took place at their offices in Des Moines. I'm Taylor Odekirk, PR Director at the nonprofit, nonpartisan producer of this program, Iowa Watch. Right now, Iowa Watch is part of an exciting funding opportunity through Newsmatch, a national campaign to support nonprofit journalism. Newsmatch will match every dollar you donate to Iowa Watch so that quality journalism like the Iowa Watch connection can continue. Your $25 becomes $50 in support of in-depth, fact-based journalism. It's that easy. Please consider supporting this work by going to the donate button at the top of iowawatch.org. That web address again is iowawatch.org. And thank you for listening to our program. And that brings us to the close of this week's program. We're back again next week at this same time. In the meantime, you can connect with us online, iowawatch.org. Click on the Iowa Watch Connection tab at the top of the page to listen to all or part of this program again for a list of stations that carry the program and more, iowawatch.org. Follow us on Twitter, at Iowa Watch, and be sure to use the hashtag IAWatchConnection when commenting about the program. We're on Facebook, too, facebook.com slash iowawatch. And you can let us know your thoughts about this program or suggest ideas for future programs by email. The address is radio at iowawatch.org. The program is produced in the studios of KXEL Radio, Waterloo, Cedar Falls, Cedar Rapids. I'm Jeff Stein. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you'll make the Iowa Watch Connection again next week. The Iowa Watch Connection is a copyrighted presentation of the Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism, which is solely responsible for its content. For more information about the center, including how you can contribute so high-quality investigative and community affairs journalism and student training can continue, go online, iowawatch.org.